All right, good morning, everybody. I want to go ahead and get into my message. Uh, again, I wrote down, you know, when it comes to the Christmas story, most of y'all know the particulars of it by heart. You know, you know the parents. You know the, the scene of the manger. You know the innkeeper. You know about the shepherds. You know about the angels. We talked about those guys last week, inviting them to Bethlehem. We even know about the wise men or the magi that came in probably a few years later. So we all know this stuff, but often we forget about Beth, Bethlehem Ephrathah. Now there is a, there, and I, I learned this while I was studying, it's this little out-of-the-way town. Okay, it's, 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 it's an important city, though, when it comes to the one who is to be born. See, this one who is to be born in Bethlehem Ephrathah was to be ruler of the world. He was supposed to be the king of kings. The one who would bring peace. And if we can identify this one, the whole world, you think, would listen. But what was happening at this time is as what we need to understand this morning, where I'm going with this this morning, is that this Bethlehem, there were two Bethlehems. If you, if you break it down and study the story. But when you jump back into Micah 5.2, the prophecy of the one who was to come was to be born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. And so it's not just, I mean, we don't sing, O little town of Bethlehem, Ephrathah. We just don't sing that. Because first of all, nobody could pronounce the word when you first look at it. But there was a Bethlehem in Galilee, and there was a Bethlehem in Judea. And so when, Micah made, when God gave Micah the prophecy to give about the one who was coming, he was very particular about what was going to happen. See, sometimes we don't think God cares about the smallest details of our lives. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God cares about the smallest details of your life. None of them were done by accident. None of them are happening by accident. You're not here this morning by accident. God led your steps here this morning to hear from Him. Not from me, but to hear from Him. Because He's the one who changes hearts. He's the one who changes lives. He's the one who brings healing. Not me. Not any of us. It's Jesus who does that. The other thing we have to understand about this prophecy is that it, it, it dealt with the one who was to be born, but it was supposed to be born in a tiny little town south of Jerusalem. He was supposed to be born from the city of David. And so there's a lot of prophetic words that go to this story that when we study, we find. Now, I know all you guys don't care about that as much as I do because I get into that history and the study and, and learning where everything is. But to me, it's exciting because it means God cares. God cares about me. And so, about 700 years later, Joseph had to leave Galilee, the city of Nazareth, and go to Bethlehem Ephrathah. Not to go to the closer Bethlehem. He had to take his wife, who was, who was betrothed to, and he had to go to the house in the lineage of David and register, who, register for the census. Because it says in Scripture, for there is to be born to you this day in the city of David, Bethlehem Ephrathah, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and who's going to bring peace on earth. See, today we're going to go into Luke 2 again. I told, I told you, warned you last week, we're going to look at the, that again. 
And I want to ponder, I want you guys to ponder a line from a song we sang last week, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Ponder this, this line in that song and what it truly means. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in, in Jesus tonight. See, everything you walked in here this morning, Jesus says, I'll meet you there. So it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter who you think you are. Jesus said, I'll meet you right there. That's why I came. That's why you celebrate Christmas, so I can meet you where you're at. See, at this time, at this time while this was all going on, people were traveling to their hometowns. It was dark. You know, we got this, this young girl and a carpenter cruising around on a donkey, maybe not a donkey, but just cruising around, trying to get to Bethlehem. There were shepherds. There was the innkeeper. You know, we all make fun of the innkeeper. How could he not have room for Jesus to be born? I asked today, how many of us haven't made room for Jesus in our lives? Because we crowd him out with busyness. The town was busy with guests. People were coming and going. But in the midst of all this chaos, there was a story happening that, was, that is still changing the world today. There is no greater story than the love God had for us by sending His only Son to be born on Christmas in that little town of Bethlehem. And it, this morning, what I, what I want us to look at is the insignificance of this little town of Bethlehem as the world looked at it, but how significant it was to God's plan. And how each one of you are your own Bethlehem to God. See, I want you to think about a, a question I want to ask you this morning, and please don't raise your hand. But if you were honest with yourself this morning, how many of you have ever felt like there's more to life than this? You know, there's more to life than what I'm doing right now. See, I think if we're honest, we've all felt that way. Or I can do more than this. How many of us, when we look back on our lives, and, and I could do it and... and and tear myself up with the regrets of what I have from the mistakes I've made of my past. And we live with regrets and said, there's got to be more to life than this, but I don't know how to get there, so I'm stuck right here. See, what we need to understand is that feeling is normal. Don't beat yourself up for it. But this morning when you walk out of here, you're going to understand that that feeling is also a lie. You are worth more than you think you are. God don't make junk. I said that last week. God's never made a mistake, so you're not a mistake. And I'm going to look at three points of Bethlehem and, and what it means for us. The first one I want you to think about this morning is Bethlehem. Our Bethlehem is a place of potential. See, our lives are a potential in God's hands. They're full of potential. There's no, there's no limiting the potential on your life when God has control of it. And in Micah 5, 2, it says, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, to, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. 
See, God sees and created in you potential that is greater than you can think or even imagine. We limit ourselves by what we think we can do. And God's saying, I got more. Just step in with me. Because if you go through the story and you see who God uses in the Bible, I think we all can relate to some of these people. David, dude was an adulterer. And God used him. Moses was a stutterer. And God used him. Paul was a murderer. And God used him. Peter had an anger issue. And God used him. See, who we think we are has nothing to do with who God says we are. There's potential in each one of your lives to do great things. The only difference between us and... How about Zacchaeus? I wrote him down. Remember, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Yeah, if you ever went to VBS, you know that song. Oh, you started to sing it right there in your head. He had to climb up in a tree just to see Jesus, but what did Jesus do when he walked by after everybody else thought this dude was making a fool of himself? What did Jesus do? Come here, brother. Let's go to dinner. That's today's language. It might be in the message verse in that way. He says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I'm going to have supper with you today. The religious people, the people who thought they were the best, the people who thought they had it all together, didn't understand why Jesus said, I see more potential in this young man because he was willing to give up what Sean was talking about this morning, his comfort, his dignity, and, his, and he humiliated himself to climb up in a tree to meet God. Just to, just to glance at Jesus. And Jesus says, that's the kind of faith you need to have. See, all the places for the Messiah to be born, God chose this little out of nowhere, no way town. God chose you. You may not think it, but God chose you. See, when God looks at you, He doesn't see you for what you are. But God sees you for who you could become. And as parents, we do the same thing to our children, don't we? As a church, that's how I look at our church. I don't see it for what we're doing. I see it for who God is and what He can do if we just follow Him. See, God didn't come to Caesar's palace to be born. He didn't go to Herod's court to be born. He arrived quietly, almost unannounced, in an insignificant village. See, God is reminding you today that in His eyes, you all have potential for greatness. But don't measure your greatness by how the world sees greatness. Measure the greatness by who Jesus is. See, we can all use the excuse, well, at least I'm not like they are. But see, I, I, I try to see who I am in comparison to who I'm supposed to be with Jesus. Which means I always can be better. I always can grow more. See, God, see yourself as Bethlehem. Because you too this morning have potential that you do not see yet. And a verse that backs that up is Ephesians 2.10 where it says, For we are His workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And I love this part where he says, Which God prepared beforehand just so you could walk in them. See, God's already laid the foundation. God's already paved the road. He's just saying, all I'm asking you to do is walk in it with me. The second thing we see when we look at Bethlehem is it was a place of providence. Providence, uh, a definition of that as I looked it up, is divine governance. It's a concern or preparation for the future. 
with God leading the way. See, long centuries before his birth, the prophets foretold that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary resided almost 70 miles north in Nazareth. They didn't have vehicles back then, so they couldn't get an Uber and cruise over there. They had to take the long journey. But see, here's what we need to understand is that God put the whole world in motion from his word. And so just like God's divine guidance of this and being born in Bethlehem by saying there's going to be a decree that you're going to have to go to your lineage hometown for a census. At that time, I'm sure Mary and Joseph had no idea why they couldn't just go down to the local post office and fill out their census. They had to cruise 70 miles to fill out a census. It made no sense. See, sometimes the guidance God gives you doesn't make sense, but I'm imploring you this morning to trust Him and just go where He tells you to go. Because it may be inconvenient. It may be uncomfortable. But I can promise you there will be no better outcome in your life. As can be attested by some people who are here that knew me before, I was the last person to become a pastor in anybody's mind. I, I had people that wouldn't have invited me to church because of the way I looked. But God saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And then I had people who spoke into my life. I had people who prayed into my life and saw the potential that God had in me. And I just was dumb enough to listen. And, and, that's, you know, and that's how I look at myself. That's what I'm saying you guys need to do because you guys are all smarter than me. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not. I tell people God had to hit me upside my head with a two-by-four to get my attention. And when He did, it changed who I was. And as I tell people right now, coming up this year, me and my wife will be married 30 years. And 20 years ago, we were almost divorced. See, when we get out of the way and we trust the divine providence of God with our lives, He brings healing. He brings the change. We don't have to. In John Perkins' memoir, Dream With Me, the civil rights leader describes how life lived with God can change very suddenly and what's seemingly impossible can become possible. How in the world did I get here? The only answer I know to give is that these things can happen when you walk with God. It's easy to look at a person, to see where he started and how far he has come, and then think you know the story, how the story will end. But as John Perkins goes on to say, but I've learned what Saul learned on the road to Damascus. When God's involved, everything can change in an instant. You may think you know where you're headed, but often God has a different plan something that's exceedingly, abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Sometimes a light drizzle becomes a downpour. Other times you can open your eyes and find yourself by still waters. Sometimes you hear thunder clapping along with the rain. Other times the cloud disappears so you can see a billion stars in the sky. But it's still all God moving. As we talked about last week, God brings the rain on the evil and the good. But we don't know what we're going to have to walk through. But we know, or I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that when Jesus is in the boat, he outranks the storm. See, God has walked me through a lot of storms. But he's never left me in the storm. And so some of you this morning may be going through that storm. 
maybe going through something. And right now, the enemy is working overtime trying to create storms in our country. And it's why, like I said, we were talking last night, why we do what we do. To bring hope in Jesus' name to people who are walking through it. One of my favorite verses for this, and, and I love thinking about it, and I used to talk about it with our youth all the time. God declares this over all of us, that we're a chosen race, that we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And see, I, I finished it off. I couldn't fit it all on here. But in verse 10, it finishes off. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. How many of you guys see yourself that way? You're God's people. He goes on to finish it off and says, you once had not received mercy, but because of the coming of Jesus at Christmas, now you have received it. So when we understand, when we, when we can get our hands off the steering wheel and let God guide, it may not always make sense. It may not always be comfortable. It may not always, you know, and I've talked about it before, the opportunities that God had opened up before I came up here. Why did I choose Rice? A small little church plant in a rural community. I could have went up to another state. And got a job. I prayed, and this is where God led me. I've never been happier since. Does it make sense to most other people? No. Does my personality necessarily fit rice? <laughs> no. But God knew what He was doing. And that's what matters. It's not whether or not I do. And so I'm going to trust God, and just like Bethlehem, saying, guess what? Everybody may see you as insignificant but I see you as great. God sees you as significant this morning. The last thing we want to see when we look at this is Bethlehem was a place of privilege. Now, I know that's an evil word in today's society, privilege. <laughs> but the privilege I'm talking about here and the pr privilege that I want you to get this morning isn't that you're better than someone else, but that you've been given a special honor by God to receive Jesus this Christmas. John 1, 12-13 says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So this morning, what I want you to understand is the privilege that we have isn't a privilege to be better, it's a privilege to serve better. It's not a privilege to think we know more, it's a privilege to know we know Jesus. It's a, it's a privilege that says, guess what? We may be different, but I'm going to come alongside of you and love you because that's what Jesus did for me. See, we've made a word that God said is, is you want to have because we want the privilege to be known as children of God. But to be a child of God means, guess what? I'm going to become the greatest servant and I'm going to love more than anyone else. It's not thinking that I get special treatment. It's that I give special treatment. See, what an awesome privilege it is that you are all handpicked by God. 
That it deserves at least that. At least a hallelujah. Because you are all handpicked like the city of David, that little town of Bethlehem, to show the greatness of His Son. Why didn't God choose Jerusalem? That was their city. Jerusalem was the town of, of religious power. It was the town of what the world sees as privilege. And God said, uh-uh. We're going to take this little insignificant place and give it the glory of Jesus. See, he could have went to Athens. He could have went to Rome. I mean, that was where all the political power was at the time. God sent a message that Christmas morning that says the hope of the world is not found in a religion. It's not found in politics. It's not found in philosophy. It's found in the name of Jesus. And that's the only place you're going to find it. See, God privileged this little town of Bethlehem to send a message that the hope of the world had come. That's why it didn't come with fanfare. That's why it didn't come with all this other stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. It says in the Bible when Jesus comes back again, it's going to be at a trumpet sound and everybody's going to know He's back. And it says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So next time He comes back, it's not going to be the same. And I'm excited about Him coming back again because I wouldn't want to live in Rice, Minnesota if dude's going to be born in some little town in Bethlehem that I have no idea where to find it on a map. Think about it. There are people that are your next door neighbors that that is the same picture they have of Jesus right now. He is in some faraway place that wants nothing to do with Him and you're living right next door to them to introduce them. That's why you can, that's why you can relate to Bethlehem this morning. Because you are where Jesus is living today. And you get to represent Him. To finish off this morning, I just wrote down six quick benefits of the potential and the privilege and the providence of this. And there they are. See, the Bible says because of this privilege, you receive every spiritual blessing in heaven. Think about it. We pray it in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have the right and being the next one, understanding we've been chosen by God and we're co-heirs with Christ. Um, when you're co-heirs, it means you inherit everything that the parent has. And if everything our Father has is heaven, guess what resources you have at your disposal to use? Every resource that is in heaven is at your fingertips to use to reach people for Jesus. Not to make us look good, but to make God look great. As we sang this morning. When people understand how good God is, and that He's not just sitting there, He's not some um, angry Father who's waiting for us to screw up so like Zeus, He can throw a lightning bolt at our butt. I cleaned that up really quickly, didn't I? Because that's how some people see God. Is that He puts all these restrictions on in my life. I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, guess what? My life is better today than it was when I was living with the not restrictions. Because God puts up guardrails to keep my life safe because He knows where I can go. Not to stop me from doing things that He knows are going to hurt me. You as parents put those same things on your kids. 
How many of you guys have ever thrown your kids to a 15-year-old and said, just go? No, you take them out driving first, don't you? You don't let them just tear down the street all by themselves initially. Hey, go 100 miles an hour. Just go wherever you want to. Just drive. No, we like our cars. We want them back. God sets safety nets for us because He knows, left alone, I will screw my life up. Like again, as I said at the beginning, you guys are all smarter than me. You probably wouldn't. I would mess my life up, left up to me. See, and then he goes on to say, guess what? You're salt and light in Matthew 5, 13 through 14. Understanding that we are being built into the house of God. That is just huge for me. I, st- I still can't wrap my mind around that. We are built into God's house. I mean, think about that. And we think about the fact Okay, I'm going to finish up in just a second. But if you think about that for a second, it says God holds the, the universe in the breadth of His hand. So like this. Okay, which means His house is somewhere in here. This is you. In here. And He knows you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every mistake you've made. He knows everything right you've done. And yet He still chose to send Jesus on Christmas to love us. See, we're being built into God's house and we live as that house by that sixth one by being anointed by the Holy Spirit. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses to me, to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that is our heart as a church that we reach the ends of the earth. So this Christmas could become a Bethlehem moment for you where you realize your potential. Where you realize God is with you. Or where you realize you have the privilege of walking with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And just like Bethlehem, you can wake up this Christmas morning to a brand new world. With all your hopes, with all your fears, through all the years, met in Jesus today.